0: Can I ask Guanele to come up in the front? And, and we just pray for him. By the way, I've met Guanele through Facebook. And um, he's been a great friend of Joe Morris. And uh, Joe Morris has been trying to hang me around with Guanele, but I never get to see him. But I used to follow him on Facebook, on his church. And then we, we've met other time. Uh, he's got actually he's got an office in West, Westville, and we had a time where we just pray for one another and hear his story. Such a young man that loved Jesus, and as well that he managed to plant two churches. I don't know how you do it, my brother, and uh, I need the strength from you. <laughs> Such a young age, and um, he's got a church in Westville, and he's got a church in Dozenwoog. And I I just follow them online, and I bless you for what you're doing. And we needed to have the people that you stand for Christ in this time. So I just want us to really pray for him as he come and stand and share his word, and just really encourage him to be able to give us hope as we're doing the series. So Father, we thank you for Juanelle. Lord, we thank you that you have called him, and bravely he said yes to you, Jesus. I just pray in this morning that we may hear through Gwanele what you had to say to us. Help us, God, that we may be challenged as we left this room. It's all about you, Lord. Lord, we want to give glory to you. And thank you for who he is. Thank you for that he actually able to stop whatever he's doing. He just came from Limpombo, landed, and then he just came now here and share with us. We're so grateful, Lord. And thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.
1: Amen. Amen. Greetings, church, in the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Uh, It's so good to be here this morning. Um, I was in Gauteng the day before yesterday, Limpombo yesterday, then flew this morning at 6 to be here uh, to do this service. Amen. So we're excited to be here. I bring you greetings from One Way Church. Um, in Westville. We have a church in Westville, a church in Dassanook, Wamashu, and Durban Central. Um, and God has really helped us in the past six years of our ministry, and we have seen God do great and mighty things. Amen. Um, and we go around the, the, the country spreading and preaching the message of Christ that God has laid in our hearts. Amen. Uh, before I preach, I'm here with CJ Um, He is one of my disciples at church um with us for about a year or two now and uh, i want him to share his testimony with us briefly um then we are going to get into the word um Zolanev already said that um you know i know this church very well Joe morris is a good friend of mine um, and he was with us and then he is in america so they come some of the time, after time um, as well when they are here they do missions with us our heart is very much into the work of missions amen um, I'll get CJ to come and share his testimony with us, and then we'll get to the word.
2: Thank you, Pastor. I honor you, Pastor Cornelia. Thank you for this opportunity that you have brought me. Um, I don't know if you guys, he just told me, that's my pastor, Pastor Cornelia. What an interesting character, trust me. So guys, I want to share my briefly my background and so on. But then I realized I didn't have a background, I'm only 22. I only finished school, you know? So we're getting there. Because I always hear some people when they really go out, they have this amazing life, you know, they are doing things, and I'm like, sure, my pastor sends me to go do things. I'm like, what a life. Um, in the beginning, it didn't make sense, right? Um, so just a background. I came from Afrikaans. I am Afrikaans. Um, I actually was in a church called, uh, I can't name names. So it was full punkster. Um, so we did it as full gospel, happy, clappy to the max. You jump, you jive on the Holy Spirit, and then you go home and you go live your life. Um, I don't know how many of you can relate to what I'm saying. Now, happy, clappy, jumping, jive, go home and go live my life. And I was living in that church for roughly about three to four years. And um, I didn't change a bit. I was a level one Christianity. You know the ones that open the Bible? Now I'm a Christian. Now you claim Christianity, shock, sure, I'm a Christian. You know, I read my Bible, I pray to God, hallelujah. And then um, moving forward, uh, 2019, um, my dad was diagnosed with leukemia, 2020, um, so 2019, very tough. I gave my life to Jesus, I got born again, I got baptized, and um, I decided, you know what, I want to serve God. And then uh, six months later, my dad was diagnosed with leukemia, he went into chemo, and uh, that was the toughest One of the toughest times. That's when my time started. So child exams and final exams. um, Every day I would go, um, write my exam, come in my car, drive to my dad. There was days where he was so sick that he didn't remember I was there. There was days where he was sick and he would look at me and he can't recognize his son. Let me tell you something. You have not seen someone die that you love in front of you. That wants you to feel like you want to die within yourself. 2019, 2020 came, guys. I lost my birthday. I lost my sponsorship. I was, a, I was an athlete. I'm still, but that time I was going to be sponsored through my gym. Of course, things didn't work the way. Then COVID came. It ruined everything. Um, I then fell into a severe case of depression, anxiety, because, um, of course, you must remember, my, all my friends at university, sending me messages of this jaw life. You know, sure, I'm, I'm, I'm becoming someone, and I want to be a doctor. Now I'm going to, my other friend. I'm like, I'll be a lawyer, and my other friend's like, No, nah, I'm going to do great things. They're like, what are you doing? I'm like, Bro, I can barely survive. My parents are they on into life, threatening decisions, and then uh, 2021 came. My mom got a heart attack. She was in the hospital for six months. My dad was in uh, his Hospital. They both were simultaneously in the hospital, and they couldn't communicate to one another. Our family was at home, broken. My mom passed away. I, I prayed her final prayer with her just before her heart went from five, four, three to one. And I saw my mom pass away. And then, uh, roughly nine months later, my dad passes away. And I do his final prayer with him as well. You know what, the interesting thing was with everything I went through at that time in my life was there was nothing. And then I always knew God. But and then my dad would come to me and be like, Son, why is God doing this to me? hey guys, I'm broken inside, but I'm like, ah, oh, please, you know, I go to church, but I, have to encu- I have to encourage this man, but I'm empty inside. My church is not doing what they should be doing. You know, you're level one. And they don't, you know, so it was a big thing that happened, and I was actually, after he passed away, I was living in a, at a house for roughly a year with no clothes. Um, many nights went there, hungry, I didn't have money. Uh, My family at that time, my whole family disappeared because of family feud. And let me tell you something. I met this man called Pastor Quinele. Now I'm pure Afrikaans, pure Afrikaans, you know. Sure, only a black person preached to me, you know. i come from Afrikaans church. We worship in Afrikaans. I want to be proudly worshiping in my language. Hey, but inside I want to die. I'm like, yo, Lord, I have no life. And this man comes in, actually my friend, um, and he was also in this specific church, but he was a quite big leader. And his, his um, girlfriend, right, is the youth pastor's um, daughter, and he left the church to go serve in this church, and I knew what his position was at church, and I'm like, sure, if my friend was willing to risk it all, you know, what makes this church so special? You know, something was wrong with him, because he he's basically risking everything, including his relationship, which he's been there already for five, six years. So you guys must know that's big trauma, you know, big drama. So he comes to my house, and I had big, I had big trauma with this church, and he comes to my house, he comes and fixes my toilet. You know, he came into a situation where nobody else wanted to be. He came into my mess. He says, hey, bro, do you know this guy? He's he almost passed to Pastor Gwenele. I'm like, you left for a multiracial. What's wrong with you? You know, because, of course, I don't know better. I'm raised, sure, for Hey, guys, I don't even talk about that. Of course, my parents didn't know of Peter. You know, they were not raised correctly. They had no parents as well. So I don't expect them, but they loved everyone. And that I could agree with. I'm like, dude, that's interesting. And that's interesting. I'm like, okay, now, but I also want to worship in gospel, you know. Because I, in my mind, I was like, if you're just going to be Afrikaans, how many people are you really going to affect, you know. That's why I'm actually wanting to learn Zulu now in our church, so we can start ministering in Zulu, because I really want to change the nation. Anyway, so Pastor Peniela, I meet him for the first, oh, here, pastor, I don't want to talk about this, this is trauma. First time he meets me it's at a conference. And I go forward and I give my life to Jesus I said, Lord, I want to change at the G12 conference. And I didn't know he was there, I didn't even know he existed. I stood, I went forward, I, I was the only one in the whole congregation that went forward. And I said, Lord, I'm broken. I've been in isolation for two years now. Imagine on your age, living alone for two years. I had no communication with people. I didn't know my destiny because everything that I had was lost. In front of me, I lost everything. I was bankrupt three times as well. So then, um, yeah, I come to this congregation. I'm standing in front and I open my eyes and the pastor Cornelius stands. And he anoints me to be evangelist. He says, look, I'm going to do great things with your life. I accept it. I accepted. I ran with it. The next day I go to his church. Sure, I want to teach him ministry in his church. In front of everyone, you know, I'm like, no, let me come and lay hands on you. And my pastor looks at me like, boy, what's wrong with this guy? Anyway, so I caused pastor big trauma that day. I caused my, problem, I caused my pastor a lot of problems that day, you know. And until today, he uses that as a testimony in the worst places. Excuse me, this is rude of me. I'm sorry. And then, um, yeah, uh, and pastor comes, he doesn't chase me away after what I did. And he keeps coming into my mess, and this black person comes into my mess. And every day he rocks up a mouse, and I chase him away. I say, pastor please, this is my privacy. Can you leave?" He keeps coming, and he keeps coming, and he keeps coming, and he keeps coming. And then the other day I'm so angry at him. Now he brings a whole packet of Woolworths cakes and everything. Now I'm sleeping out tonight. I'm like, I didn't invite you. He's like, I don't care. You punch me now. I'm gonna sleep out tonight. I'm like, who's this man? What's different about him? You know why? Is he loving me so much? You know? Everything I'm doing against this man is cruel. But he keeps coming into my mess. And he keeps coming. It's been two years later. And he keeps coming. And he keeps coming. And I say, well, if that is the God that he serves, and I want to serve the same God. For who am I to have pride? You know, this man owes me nothing. He comes from a rural township, humble beginnings. I came from a, I almost a semi-private school. You know? raised thinking I know everything but realizing I know nothing. This man keeps coming. I stopped fellowshipping and then then, um, also it wasn't easy for him because I'm the most problematic person you could have met. Super arrogant, super short in temper. You know my sister she quoted this very nice. She says there's no hope for your soul. If there's a God that can save his soul I will serve her. guess what happened? It's two years later. My whole family serves the church now. My girlfriend She got born again last year. Her whole family serves in the church now. My friend, he's coming to our church recently. He's getting impacted. Um, There's many more I can say about the influence. They serve their children. Their friends are coming. My brother, he's serving in the church now. He's rebuilding his life. God did the impossible. Why? Because there was a man that loved me. And then when I came into this church, the first year I did serving, So the first year, I went into communities, and trust me, you know nothing. And pastor, and in many times he was hard, and I'm like, oh, you you walk fast. My pastor's sending me, I must go lay hands on this, and now I'm sleeping on the floor. And you know what? It's been years later, and my, my pastor was my key to unlocking the destiny that God had for my life. It's been two years, amazing years serving with him, seeing how he grows, because someone came into my mess. Because that is what it is to be a disciple. So our discipleship changed everything because he imitated his pastor and he strived to be like Jesus. And he showed me there's multi-levels in the Bible of Christianity. So pastor, I really honor you. I love you. And you have changed my life. And um, thank you for everything that you have done for me.
1: Jesus, we want to thank you tonight, or rather this morning, that we get to know you, that we get to follow you and see you restore broken people and use them to restore other broken people. We come before you this morning as we stand to preach your word, that you may speak to us, and we thank you that we have a testimony that you have changed us, and therefore you can change every situation said in your word we overcome by the blood of jesus and by the word of our testimony i pray the blood of jesus upon each and every one of us even as we hear your word is my prayer in jesus name amen i want to speak today on a sermon titled hope in the valley hope in the valley when i was praying about what god wants me to speak about um, in this church today god laid in my heart about the importance of having hope in the valley. I CJ wanted to come with me, then I felt like he must share testimony with us, how he was broken, lost his parents, uh, suicidal, felt like at the end of the road, and when he encountered Jesus, everything began to change. And God used him to bring his entire family to Jesus Christ. Uh, people have not been to church for 20, 30 years uh, who have told themselves they will never go to church. Um, his auntie his um, sister, his brothers, um, everyone is in the church serving Jesus right now as we speak. And we believe that God wants you to do the same in the church. We believe that one person gives you access and a team gives you conquest. So God uses one person and counters one person so that that person restores hope to other people as well. Now, hope means a feeling of expectation and a desire for a particular thing to happen. We live in a generation where people have stopped dreaming, where people have stopped hoping uh, for the best to come in our families, in our nation. Um, You know, we we sit with people and everything you hear is negativity. Um, They tell us how bad the country is. That's all that you keep on hearing. And Christians have stopped having hope that the best is yet to come. You see, we do not deny the, the, the challenges around us, the challenges in your family, the challenges in the nation, the challenges in the ministry. We don't deny those things. But hope keeps on telling us that better days are ahead of us. And once you lose that, when Satan brings challenges around you, the purpose for him is to take away your faith and the hope that we have in Jesus. The second meaning of um, hope is a feeling of of complete trust you see there are times where you believe and trust like Zolani was saying he um, it, it tells his children um, that hey I'm here I'll protect you now of course he's tall He's big so his children can trust him because they can see how big he is my daughter is 12 years and uh, of course I'm not as big as Zolani and CJ uh, but whenever I appear and say hey believe me the best is yet to come and, and all of that I'm here for you she trusts as well Whenever I appear, she believes everything will be well with her. That's what hope means. It means I have a trust. And this hope that you're speaking about, is not just a wishful thinking. It's not a hope that just comes by hoping something magic will happen. It's a hope that is found in Jesus. You see, when you have a hope in Jesus, it's a hope in what you do not see and you believe. That's what faith is. You believe what you do not see. You are so sure of what you are unsure of. That's what we speak about. In the book of Romans 8, 24 to 25, it says, For in this hope we were saved. In the hope we have in Jesus, we were saved. We did not see Jesus physically, but when somebody presented Jesus and when somebody modeled Jesus in front of us, then we started believing and having hope in Jesus Christ. Um, You know, I always say this in our church that maybe, I don't know, but I I did not have Jesus come to me and, and speak to me. Um, I mean physically. I had somebody come and preach the gospel of Jesus, but more than preaching as someone living a life of Christianity, then I wanted to follow that person as they followed Jesus, and my life began to change. You see, people are looking for models. People are looking for people to follow, and then they begin to change. You see, when we come and share our testimony, I sat with a man when I was flying to, to Kauteng two days ago, we sat um, next to each other. Then we started a normal conversation. We started chatting. Um, then I started telling him my story, how I was suicidal. I tried committing suicide. I wanted to die. I had no hope. How disgruntled my family was. And I, as I spoke, the man started crying, saying, you are explaining my story. He said, how, how are you still alive? How do you still have hope? I said, well, Jesus is my chief cornerstone. I said, when all this happened, I found Jesus in my life, being in a family of 10, grew up in poverty, um, at a place where nothing good could come out of the place I grew up in. When I found Jesus, I found hope, and I kept on dreaming and believing the best is yet to come. And actually, when I received Jesus, uh, my dad got into so much debt that he could only bring home 100 friends. Then he had an affair, had a girlfriend. Then he took a home loan and built a girlfriend a house and we did not have a house. So when I received Jesus, everything became terrible. But I still believed the best is yet to come. That's what our hope is. And this hope is the hope that saved us. And then it says in the second part of this verse, it said, now hope that is seen is not hope. So you see, right now in our nation or maybe in your family or wherever, but I'll use the state of our nation where nothing that we see says there is hope, says something better is coming. But that's when we start having hope because hope that is seen, the Bible says, is not hope. So when you see something and believe, your belief, your hope, may not be so strong because that thing may fade away and then you lose your faith with that thing fading away. But if you hope in that which you do not see, then the Bible says, that is hope. For who hopes for what he sees But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it in patience. You see, the reason why people become impatient is because they do not have hope. They put their hope in what they see. That is why a lot of people, when they lose their jobs, they lose their cars, they lose their homes, they fall into depression because their hope was not in Jesus. You see, it's easy to bake a cake, then you put a cherry on top, but that cherry, you can remove it whenever you want. And a lot of us, we want to make Jesus a cherry on top. You see, we bake our own cake using our own recipe. Then we put Jesus there and we can remove it, remove him whenever. I sat with one of my celebrity friends. Um, he has a lot of followers, a lot of money. Um, and, you know, he posts the verse of the day every day on, on his WhatsApp status. And then he goes to clubs every day. And I, I, I'm not judging him, but he's my friend and I know him very deep. So I said to him, hey, you are saving Satan in the name of Jesus. He said, what do you mean? I said, you see, you go to church, you post the verse of the day, you are a Christian, but your lifestyle is saying Satan. Everything you're doing is serving Satan. And I sat with him for three hours. um, And then, of course, I still meet him every week and I've seen a huge transformation. He uses his social media platform right now to inspire other people to come to Jesus. You see, we always uh, have sides. You can either be a negative person who spreads negativity, Or you can be a person full of hope and say, hey, in the valley, we believe that the best is yet to come. The valley is not going to be the end of us, but it's only a journey of where God wants to take us. So you do that with patience and endurance. In Romans 5, verse number 5, it says, and this hope will not lead us to disappointments. So the hope we have in Jesus does not disappoint us. You see, the reason why we get disappointed, we pray, and our prayers are not answered, and then we accuse Jesus and we are disappointed, it's because our hope was not in Him, was in what He can give us. You see, you can say you have faith and hope, but your faith is not in Him, is in what God can actually give you. That is why the Bible says you you, you seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, then all these things will be added unto you, meaning you do not hope in all these things, you hope in Him. Then when your hope is in Him, then all these things will be given to you. And then it says, this hope will not lead us to disappointments. Hear me today. When you believe in Jesus, when your hope is anchored in Christ, you will not be disappointed. It does not mean that challenges will not come. There will be challenges. Jesus said, in this world, there will be challenges. So we live in a world that is full of sorrow, tears, challenges, but hey, we are not disappointed. And, and, and that is the difference with us as Christians. When people go through a lot of things that we also go through and they lose their joy and they see us smiling, they say, How are you still joyful? You have lost both your parents, you are unemployed, you have lost your house. You say, Hey, the joy of the Lord is my strength. And I believe that I'm only walking through the valley, but the valley is not the end of me. That is the hope that we have in Jesus. Christians, we need to portray the joy of the Lord. You see, it does not glorify Christ for us as Christians to be so negative. God is looking for people who are going to be the light of the world, who are going to be the salt of this earth. But it seems like a lot of Christians have lost their saltiness. We have lost the joy of the Lord. And you can't be hopeful and sad at the same time. That is why if you have hope, hope comes with joy and it comes with peace. And these things will not disappoint you. So I really want to challenge us today to go back to that place where Jesus is enough where Jesus is the hope in which our lives is anchored. For we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. What gives us hope is the fact that God loves us. It's the fact that God lives on the inside of us. Um, The theme for for our Easter conference this year in our church is beloved. Um, You know, because a lot of people have forgotten the love of God for them the love of God for their families, the love of God for their nation. You see, once we understand the the, the miracle of the love of God, we become the embodiment of the love of God in everything we're doing. And you can't be negative if you have experienced the love of God. My brother is, um, you know, a drug addict. He smokes Wunga for the past 20 years, Um, you know, and this year God challenged me to love him. Um, so I will drive to where he is in he stays under the bridge um, in Durban Central and um, I drive there and and love him of course I don't give him money Um, I don't I've decided I don't buy him clothes I don't give him food as well because I know that they will take that and sell, sell it to buy drugs so if I want to get him something to eat I will sit with him in my car and eat with him so I'm practically demonstrating my love because love is not just giving love is being involved that's what love is um god did not just love us and say hey i love the word but he got involved and gave us his son to actually die for us and um god when god challenged me so my brother my older brother passed away this january so i went to fetch him um the one who stays in town i fetched him back home then he stayed with us for two months and was trying to recover and and run away from drugs and all of that and nothing went missing for two months so we've been praying and praising god for that Um, And then just two weeks ago, he decided to go again, go back to the same under the bridge, live the life that we're giving him, warm meals, um, proper clothes, and and, and all of that. And we already have plans as a family to say, hey, let's start a a small business for him so that he has, you know, income. But I said, hey, let's not rush it. Then he went back. And of course, I was frustrated. I'm like, "How, how, how can you do this? And God said to me, I wanted to learn how to love my way. Then i drove again i went to him i said okay i'm picking you up uh, next to tuesday i take you home then we take you to to rehab then i brought him home uh then i traveled because i'm busy um, the next day i received a call he stole a couple of things and left again then i am like sure no i'm done i'm not doing this then god said to me have i ever said i'm done with you that's what god said to me he said have Guanele, you you forgetting the wonders of my grace and the love i've given you when you are so disobedient you see our problem with compare sins we feel like i've seen better than this person so i'm much better so i drove again i went to him i said okay i want one two three four five that you stole and then of course he gave it back to me then he started speaking how he wants to change i said listen i'm not taking you home now you have my number so when you truly want to change you call me i'll pick you up and take you to to rehab i'm not going to force you but i'm going to love you where you are you see when we love people where they are change comes but you can't love if you do not have hope so what keeps us loving what keeps us going back again and again of course my brother's testimony is not complete i believe there will be a time where we'll be totally delivered and we'll serve jesus um you know together with us but the hope that we have is a hope that we have because we understand that god loved us and he gave us his holy spirit In Jeremiah 29 verse number 11 is a verse that we know very well for I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord these are plans to prosper you and not to harm you plans to give you a hope and a future you see when God looks at you when God looks at this nation when God looks in our at our city in Durban he looks at a city at a people that he has plans for and these are plans for a hope and a future Many are plants in a man's heart. The Bible says in, in the book of Proverbs 19, 21, many are plants in a man's heart. But it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. You see, we have plans, but God also has plans. So sometimes we want our plans, we, we, we want God to come and bless our plans. We bake our own cake, then we put the cherry on top. We say, come, bless my plans. But the Bible says our plans cannot prevail. Many are plants in a man's heart. But it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. So that the purpose, once you understand the purpose of God for your life, God's purpose for you, it to be a conduit of hope. So when people come around you, there is such an aura of hope around you. When people come hopeless, they leave you knowing that, hey, better days ahead of me. And not just here on earth, but hope that takes us even beyond, um, you know, the, the, this life. That is the hope that we have, and that's how strong it is. It says in the book of um, in the book of Proverbs 19, many are plans in the men's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. And it says here, I have plans to prosper you and to give you hope. And you need to believe this. And the prosperity we speak about, of course, can be monetary uh, prosperity. But more than anything, the, the greatest prosperity one could ever have is the prosperity of winning many people to Jesus. You see, you, you, you're not just called by God for you to be a Christian and come sit in the church every Sunday. The ministry that God has given us is not the ministry of wiping chairs and singing in the worship team. The ministry God gave us is the ministry of reconciliation the ministry of winning people to him and unless we start doing that the lights and the the media and all of that is good but everyone god has called everyone not just the pastors god has said you know he has given others to be pastors apostles prophets teachers evangelists, for the equipping of the saints for the work of the ministry what's the work of the ministry loving god with all your heart with all your soul and with all your might and loving your neighbor as you love yourself how do you love your neighbor by bringing them to jesus by winning souls, making disciples of all the nations, restoring hope. If there's something that will change this nation, it's Christians who have taken upon them the mandate to be the ambassadors for Christ in everything that they do. There's a scripture I wanted to read, but I'm not going to read the whole scripture because of my time. In the book of Ezekiel, chapter number 37, verse number 1 to 14. Ezekiel said the hand of the Lord was upon him, and the hand of the Lord led him to a valley of the very dry bones it was not just bones that were dry but they were very dry the Bible says and God said to him son of man what do you see of course he sees the valley of the very dry bones so now God does not dispute the fact that the bones are very dry and they are in the valley but he's saying what do you see because for you to have hope first you need to have a realization, a revelation of where you are and in the current moments. So now your situation, the situation of your family, the situation of your church, the situation of your nation, you, what do you see? So you have to, we, you can't deny what you see. So you have to realize, I see the valley of the very dry bones. And then he said to him, then he caused them to pass by them all around and behold, There were very many in the open valley and indeed were very dry. And he said to me, son of man, can these bones live again? Meaning, do you have faith that these bones can live again? Do you have hope that your situation can change again? God is asking him because he's trying to awaken the sense of believing in his heart. He's saying, Oh Lord, do you know? And can he say to me, Prophesy to these bones and say to them, Oh, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. Thus says the Lord God to these bones, surely I'll cause breath to enter into you and you shall live again. God is saying, You must go and speak. Hope is not silence. Hope speaks. He's saying you must go and prophesy to the valley of the dry bones. Dry bones can be your family situation. Maybe you come from a divorce. Maybe you come from um, where everyone rejected you or whatever the case is. You're busy trying to do life and nothing is coming all right. And God is saying, prophesy, speak. You do not speak death, even to our nation we don't speak negatively to a nation that we love we speak with hope we prophesy with hope that the best is yet to come we keep on saying that why because god is saying in we shall eat the fruit of our lips so he's saying prophesy on these very dry bones and say "Live again then he says surely i will cause breath to enter into you this is what god is saying he said when you speak then i will act When you speak from a position of faith and believing, then I will act. Don't you ever think you'll receive anything from God if you ask doubting and not believing? You need to have faith. You need to believe that what God has said in his word is exactly what God will do. I don't know what your situation is. I don't know where you are in life. I don't know what really drains you. I don't know what value you find yourself in. We have a responsibility in the valley To speak. The Bible says, faith comes by hearing, and hearing the word of the Lord. I dare you to speak to that that situation in your life. Every situation has ears. And as you speak, things begin to change. You do not speak your own mind, you do not speak um your emotions, you do not speak um, you know, your negativity, you speak the word of God into that situation, and as you speak the word of God, change comes. If there's anything that will change circumstances around us, it is the word of the Lord. And the Bible says in the book of Psalms, forever, O Lord, your word is settled. In heaven above, it is settled. It's important that you value the word. That is why Jesus in the wilderness, when you were tempted, he kept on saying it is written. Because the word of God changes your situations in the valley. You see what will take you out of the valley is the hope that you have. You may not see the light in the valley that you are in. But if you can envision the light, if you can have the, the vision of light in your mind and prophesy it in the valley, before you know it, you'll be out of the valley and have a testimony. This is the word that God gave me to share with you today. I have many things to share with the church. But more than anything, God wants to restore your hope. How do you know that your hope has been restored? You become a conduit, you become a person who goes out to restore the hope of others. Let me tell you, we live in a hopeless generation. That is why people are committing suicide. That is why people are leaving the country, are giving up um, and, and, and all of this because people have become hopeless. And God is saying, there is a generation that is, ra- is raising and you and I can be part of this generation, a generation that says we believe. A generation that says we stand together in the hope that is in, is in Jesus Christ. We may not see it, but we believe it so you need to visualize because dreams and visions are the language of the holy spirit so you need to visualize you need to dream of a dream of god for your life for your church and for a nation i want to close with this jesus says in the book of um matthew chapter number nine, thirty-six. when he saw the crowds he was filled with compassion for they were scattered and weary like sheep without a shepherd Scattered, weary, full of sorrow, like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said, he said to, to his disciples, pray to the Lord of the harvest, to send in laborers in the harvest field. You see, when God looks at the multitudes, when God looks at your community, at our city, our nations, he sees a people who are scattered, who are weary, who are full of sorrow, like sheep without a shepherd. And God is asking you today, won't you be a shepherd to my people? Won't you, it's not saying, be a pastor, it's saying, just go be a conduit, just go be a source of hope. Hope is not just for you to sit and dream and, and have a wishful thinking, but it causes you to step up in the faith and go and fulfill God's purpose for your life. I know you can do all things. Job says, and none of your purposes can be twanted. Many are planned in a man's heart, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. What is God's purpose? That you become a source of hope. I commission you with this as we close. Go now therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I've commanded you. And lo and behold, I will be with you to the very end of age. We all love this promise. I will be with you to the very end of age, but you can only experience that Emmanuel, that I will be with you, when you go and make disciples they are everywhere in the tuck shop in the in the in the in spare in they are everywhere at checkers in your workplace in schools in universities god is calling us as a church to go that is why it's called the gospel we don't stay it's the gospel you go and spell the good news and god is sending us to do that today as a church we can't be Inward focused, we need to be outward focused. It's not a great suggestion. It's a great commission that God has given us for every believer in Christ. The more you do this, the more you obey the word, the more you go and do the Bible, the more you go and preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and do the great commission, the more you experience, I will be with you until the very end of age. Let's stand up on our feet. I want to pray. I want to close with this in prayer, then I'll give over to Pastor Zulan. When you hear my word today, when you hear my voice today, Jesus says, do not harden your heart. You see that nothing else is too late. That nothing is too late in life. Nothing. That nothing else I'm too young or I'm too old. That nothing like that. God anoints you and appoints you for a reason. You see, you are still alive today because God has a mission for you. Are you fulfilling your mission here and now? We become despondent and hopeless when we do nothing for Jesus. When we sit and all we worry about is bills. We lose the purpose and the vision of Christ when all we think about is paying bills. But God has called called us for something better, to go there for. Going there for does not mean be a missionary, go to Ethiopia. It's go to your neighbor. The neighbor you've never spoken to. It's go to the mall. Tell people about Jesus. Disciple them in the words of the Lord. It's not just the pastors. Our job title as pastors is to equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Young, old, 60 years, 80 years, until we die, until we breathe our last, we need to fulfill God's purpose. Many are plans in a man's heart, but only the Lord's purpose We'll prevail. I want her to close her eyes. I may not be speaking to everyone here in the room today, but I know there's someone I'm speaking to. There's someone who feels very strong in their heart. They thought it is over. They thought, you know what? I'm too old. I'm too young. And there's nothing that God can do. God cannot use me anymore. I'm here to tell you there is a hope for you. God wants to use you here. And now you are still alive because God has a purpose for you. The challenges you went through, the difficulties you are encountering is so that you have a testimony that will bring many to Jesus. That will restore the hope of many, the hope that is found in Christ. I want to pray with someone who says, I feel in my heart the calling of Christ for the Great Commission. I feel in my heart that God is calling me to something deeper than what I'm doing now. I feel in my heart God is calling me to step up in faith and be his voice in the valley and and speak and prophesy in the valley. Dry bones live again. God is looking for people in the valley who will be his spokesperson. Then God will do great and mighty wonders. In the book of Isaiah, it says, I I walked around. I looked for someone who could save. I I found no one. And then as I said, here I am. Send me. I will go. There is somebody that God is calling today and the only response he needs from you is here I am, I will go for you. You see, we, we, we can't sit and make excuses why we cannot go. Growing up and even, um, even as, as, you know, in my age, I've, I've faced so much racism in my life where people have been so terrible towards me, do I sit and say, you know what, um, I can't do this. No, no, no. God is looking for someone in the valley. God will put you in the valley so that you become a voice in the valley. We can't make excuses why we cannot fulfill God's purpose for our lives. And we are all worried about our own plans. Many are plans in a man's heart. But those plans only lead to depression and anxiety and hopelessness. Only God's purpose will bring you to a place of fulfillment, a place of hope, a place of feeling like I'm here with a reason, I'm here with a meaning. God has brought me here on earth for a purpose. I want to pray with you today. If you feel like God is calling you to this place of surrender, God is calling you to that place of fulfilling his dream, his purpose, and you are saying, God, here I am. Send me, I will go for you. I want you to come to the altar. I I want to lay my hands on you. Thank you. I'm not going to prolong this altar call. This is not a salvation altar call. This is an altar call for people who say, God is calling me for something deeper. I've been sitting, I've been worrying about my own plans, but today I want to fulfill the plan and the purpose of God for my life. Come to the altar. If we, we, we are worshippers, we are going to sing the song, come um, to the altar. The Father's arms are open wide. God wants to give you purpose. God is looking for voices to speak in the wilderness. The wilderness is full of dry bones. Very, very dry bones. But unfortunately, some of us are the dry bones. God is saying, I'm looking for someone who's going to prophesy, son of man, can these bones live again? I'm looking for someone to restore hope in the valley. I'm looking for someone to become a prophetic voice in the valley to speak life into every death situation. Some of us, will feel like, you know what? I'm not good enough. I'm not from, you know, we, we make excuses. God does not call the qualifiers. He qualifies those whom he calls. I'm going to pray for these people here in the altar. But if that is you, when you hear my voice today, Jesus said, do not hide in your heart." Thank you, ma'am. Do not hide in your heart. Let me tell you, God gives you grace when you go. It's only when you take a step of faith and say, I'm stepping forward that you experience him as Emmanuel, God, with us. I will be with you until the very end of age. Until you breathe your last, you will experience overflowing hope you'll experience a sense of fulfillment why you are fulfilling god's plan and god's purpose for your life i'm going to pray right now but if you feel like you need to be here in the altar and surrender to that which god has called you to do i want you to come and stand in front and i'll ask pastor zolani to just um pay attention to the people here in the altar because these are people are saying they are surrendering to fulfill god's purpose and God's commission their lives and you and I can sit um, at a later stage and practically uh, discuss um, how that looks like and then you can equip your people and send them to do that which God has called them to do I want to pray over everyone here now Jesus I thank you I thank you that as we believe in your word your word is doing the work in our lives here we are send us when Isaiah surrendered to you, your word says an angel came and, and released, um, you know, a burning coal in him and cleansed his lips. Thank you that as we go, you give us, my Father, the tools, the resources that we need. You bring us the wisdom that you need, the power that we need to demonstrate your kingdom. For you said in your word, your kingdom is not just in word. Your kingdom is in the demonstration of your power. And from the days of John the Baptist, the kingdom of Christ, they've been suffering violence and the violent people take it by force. I pray that these people here in the altar today may be those who take the kingdom by force. I pray over my brother here. I pray that you may release forth your anointing over him in the name of Jesus. I pray that you may Anoint him and equip him, my father, to do that which you have called him to be. I pray that you may break every chain of hopelessness and I pray. Over my mother here, I pray that my father, you may give her the words to speak, that she may be a prophetic voice in the valley, in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. I pray that when she speaks, my father, the dry bones live again. I pray these things in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray over my sister, Lord, that you may anoint her voice, anoint her words in the name of Jesus Christ. I pray that you give her the necessary equipment and the tools to be able to declare and proclaim your kingdom. My father, in every area of her life, I pray the blessing of the Lord upon you, The blessing that makes one rich and adds no sorrow. I pray that the blessing of the Lord may rest upon you. I pray that the Lord may use your hands and feet for his glory. In the name of Jesus. Father, I pray for divine intervention. Over this um, woman's family in Jesus Christ's mighty name. I pray the blessing of the Lord. I pray the grace of my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. I pray that people may see your mercy and your grace, the evidence of your grace in their life and follow you. I pray these things in the name of Jesus. I pray that your hand may be upon my brother here. I pray that your hand may be upon him. I pray that you may bless him indeed and enlarge his territory in the name of Jesus. I pray that his feet may be called the beautiful feet of those who transform and take the gospel of Christ into the four corners of the world in Jesus Christ's mighty name Lord, I thank you that you have called my sister here. You have called her, my father, for such a time as this. You have raised her, you have anointed her, you have appointed her, my father, to be your voice in the valley, to speak and declare and prophesy hope in hopeless situations. I thank you that as you speak these things, that you are awakening on the inside of her. My father, you are pouring the, the streams of the living waters in the name of Jesus. When she opens her mouth, my father, I thank you that you will speak in and through her. In Jesus Christ's mighty name, through here you will raise an army. My father of believers who are going to champion a revival for you in this city. I prophesy these things over here and I speak them over his family in Jesus Christ's mighty name. I pray the blessing of the Lord upon you. I pray that God may touch you and hold you with his righteous hand. I pray that God may perfect that which contends you. I pray that the peace of God that transcends human understanding may guard your mind and heart in Christ Jesus. I pray, Lord, that my sister here may experience a deep sense of peace, a deep sense of purpose and a calling that you have called her with in the name of Jesus. I pray the blessing of the Lord upon you. I pray the anointing of the Lord upon you. I declare that God God will use your story. God will use your path to bring many people into Christ. Do not be ashamed of your testimony because it is through your testimony that many will come to know him and encounter him in Jesus' name. Amen. And Father, I pray over this whole church. I declare a new season in the church in Jesus' name. I stand as your prophet and speak prophetically over the church. Dry bones live again in Jesus Christ's mighty name. I speak it in the mighty name of Jesus. I prophesy in the valley. I declare that the season of the valley for the church come to an end here and now in Jesus Christ's mighty name. I declare that the doors of the church will be open forever. In Jesus' name, people will walk in and find hope in the church. I declare a new season, a new dispensation of the power of the Holy Spirit. Like how it was in the book of Acts. So shall it be upon the church. Your Holy Spirit will come upon every man and woman in the name of Jesus and awaken the sense of purpose over your people. I declare in Jesus' name the blessing of the Lord that makes one rich and it no sorrow. I pray for unity for love. When you love one another, the world will know that truly you are my disciples. I pray that there may be a unity of love in the church. I pray that this church may be a testimony to a hopeless nation that there is a hope that is found in no one else but Jesus Christ. I pray for Pastor Zolani and the council and the elders as they continue to navigate the affairs of the church. Give them wisdom that is that is necessary to lead the church out of the valley to a place of a mountaintop. I pray these things in Jesus' name. I love you. God bless you.
0: Thank you, Gwanele. Let's just pray for him as well. They're just really, really doing an incredible job. Can you just all stretch their hands and just pray for him? Father, we thank you that he's actually saying he's willing to do your work. Lord, we know that the enemy wants to come sometimes and rob and destroy, but we pray protection, the blood of Jesus over Guanele. Lord, we just pray that you cover him. We pray that he can be able to be your strong voice in this nation. Lord, I just pray that as he grow, that he actually get to seek more and more and bring people to your kingdom. But Father, we know that you are such a loving God. Lord, I just pray over his family as well. Lord, we know that we will hear the testimony for over his brother from that he get to know you again. And Lord, we know that There's so much thing going on, but Lord, we pray this voice will stand firm for your truth. It will be able to speak the gospel without compromising it. Lord, we thank you for this morning that he challenged us to go and tell people about you. I pray for him as well, even over his team in one way. Lord, we pray that bless them in Jesus' name. Cover them with your blood in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Bless you. Bless you. There's tea and coffee. And God save Jesus. If you want more prayer, you can just come around. But here, I release you in Jesus' name. Amen. You can just have a cup of tea.